said, young man, Glasgow would recycle in. I said, young man, Glasgow would recycle in. I said, young man, Glasgow would recycle in. There's no need to go anywhere else. How about that, troops? Big thanks to the sponsor, Glasgow Wood Recycling. It's a great wee charity that sells reclaimed wood and as many other wood products. Some Cranton Garden furniture and indoor furniture is also available. If you need a wee bit of wood and PG is no sufficient, then get down there. White Inch near Party. Mind, it helps people as well and you can learn new skills with them too. Thanks very much for your support guys. And on this episode today, we've got Paul Pettigrew from Gamtop. Paul's got an amazing story and an amazing message that I think will touch a lot of people. So hope you enjoy, guys. All the best. Thank you. All right, Paul, how you doing, mate? I appreciate you coming to speak to us tonight. All right, lads, what's happening? We're all you, Paul, man. If you knew old Paul Pettigrew... Then you'd know why that I feel blue He gave up the gambling Pettigrew 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 Petty, 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 Pettigrew Oh, petty Paul Pettigrew <laughs> How's that, boys? How's that, boys? Yeah, I, I, could, my way. I could see you reading that <laughs> oh, I wasn't reading it, mate It's honestly the easiest song I just fucked it up there, mate But anyway <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Right, Paul, we'll just dive into it, mate. We'll go for the start where, where you had the gambling issues and stuff. What was the, the initial thing that started it for you? Where did you start with your gambling and then kind of lead us on to where your problems uh, came from? Uh, aye, so I'd just been released from Morton. Uh, I was just before my 18th birthday and just left school, I know, at the same time. So uh, I was just a bit lost, to be honest. I'd, just, no, I'd put all my eggs in one basket all my life to try and do something in football. Um, and then one of my pals one night took me to one of the casinos in Glasgow and I had no idea about gambling at all. Nobody in my family gambles, so it was nothing I was even aware of. Um, I just went out, I had social, I never went anywhere. Um, so I went up, took a hundred pound up, this was when I was 18, uh, and left with a thousand pound. That first time that I'd ever gambled in my life, didn't even know what I was doing. Putting a hundred on red, and I've seen people putting tenors on, and I've always had a a terrible flaw. I've always been a bit of a show off. So put a hundred pound in, um, just so that people thought I was bush. <laughs> One left the left the casino that night without money. Uh, just felt minted. I came down the road, was able to help kind of my mum and dad and that out with a bit of, a bit of money. I think I just gave my mum some money to pay a mortgage payment or something. And um, funny enough, when I gave her it, uh, she said, "Thanks, Matt, but you need to be careful with that gambling and give me a big lecture." I might walk in the kitchen and I was like, fucking hell, doing a squid and I'm still getting it. And then bought, bought some clays and all that and just from there I thought it was easy and I went on a wee streak probably the first month. I couldn't lose if I tried. Uh, won a good bit of money. And it was just in the casino every kind of Friday night and then that turned into going to bookies and getting online. Um, and before I knew it, man, that was, that's what we say, handbrake came off for me right away. Uh, but six months later, that's when I was fucking starting to get into overdrafts and borrowing money and all that. You see, you see, I've like, I don't gamble much myself, to be honest, but I know what it's like seeing you go to the casino. I was the same, you go kind of 18, 19, your first time going, and you think it's amazing if you get a wee win. Like, I'd 
spread out pound on numbers and that and I think it was a 37 quid you get or something if you get a number in and you're walking about thinking you're Billy Big Boys but <laughs> winning winning a grand at 18 I mean that's that's money you've never had before probably never man it was mental and uh, it was it came at it came at a good time and all because there was some kind of like my dad he's always a small business in my area and uh, we did have and I always struggled in that so money was always kind of fucking I mean we weren't poor by any means but money was tight you know what I mean it caused a bit of attention so to be able to I had this money and it was at the right time that I could help them out with a couple of things for the house and that so that felt good as well but it just lured me into a false thing that it was a way of making money Aye. I was going to say to you Paul it must, must have hooked you big time walking out there like a baller do you know what I mean a thousand pound in your tail because I know I used to always go to the, the casino after the dancing for a wee spell with the boys but I was never good at the gambling I used to give my pal like 20 quid man tell him to gambled for us I just went for a toasty and a, a tack they was phoning me a wee taxi mate so that was, that was my thing mate but it's easy to see how it's hooked you early doors then mate with that winning streak in it Aye, it's the worst thing to ever happen if I'd have lost that that hundred quid that would have been my fucking money for about the next two weekends if I'd lost that I'd have fucking probably cracked my pal walked out and I spoke with him and that would have been us man Aye. see you on that Paul you're saying obviously if you'd lost that and you'd walked out and this obviously might seem like a daft question is a part of you grateful that you lost it though eh, sorry that you won it and again it sounds daft having the horrible few years that you had and the really low lows that you had do you feel partly kind of ha- glad in a sense that you've went through the experiences you have to get to where you're now it's a, it's a difficult one because in a way I'm a far far better person I'm a bit humbled me completely and uh, got a new kind of appreciation on life to be honest at a young age I didn't have any wains or partners or that so it was good in that sense but then at the same time I don't think I can ever properly say uh, that I'm glad of it because I dragged other people through it as well and although they'll say they forgive me and it's done me and whatever but I still there's that part of me that I think like all oh, sleepless nights I caused my mom and dad no, I, I, I could never say that I'm glad of it but for the past that I'm on now in life I, I'm, I'm happy about it I'm content uh, it's, it's obviously maybe glad was the wrong choice of word but kind of the fact that oh, you, mean you have grown so much through it you mentioned there when you were released for Morton like myself and dad are both the same and um, we've been in at clubs and stuff do you think that that had a massive impact on you or do you think that it's maybe something that you've just attached to it? No, it definitely did. I mean, I would, my whole life, coming to report, this is a big deal. I didn't drink until I was 18 and pe- people didn't like me for it. Well, they weren't. Drink, drinking at eight at the port's acceptable. <laughs> I'd get into gaffs and people would offer me drinking, but I'd say no and they would, confusion, complete confusion. So I did that and I'd be running every day before, but no, I'd run four days a week before school from about the age of 13. And so I'd, I'd put my, my mind to try doing it. Um, and when I get released, it was just complete devastation, man. I was gutted. I felt pure embarrassed. Um, my dad's never been the type to put any pressure on me at all, but he came everywhere. Like, I mean, fucking everywhere up at five in the morning to come watch some of my games. And uh, so I felt I'd let him down a wee bit and stuff, but... With hindsight, it was just, I was, I was just kind of unlucky, to be honest. I mean, I know a lot of people say that, and there's obviously things I could have done better, but there was, I was the first boy from my team, maybe, no, I talked about those two years, um, we were the first two to get up into the development squad with David Hopkins, he was a development manager at the time. He loved us, we were in about air, and uh, in the end up, I started every game all, all year. Every every game I was fit, I started. The coach loved me in that, and then the actual academy kind of, 
the head of the academy, he made the decision and he ended up in need. He made play about three, four games. They took ten boys on and then two goalkeepers and all and I wasn't one of them. I was I was scunnered. It's probably the only time in my life that I've I'll try to be realistic and even maybe towards kind of pessimistic in terms of opportunities just so that I'm not pure let down. But I was going into, it was in a Tontine Hotel in Greenock and I was going into that day, I think I was maybe even getting a two-year contract or one. So it got completely let go, I, it was a sodium man, it definitely had a big impact on me. See, I know, oh, sorry to talk on you. Sorry, quick PG, I was just going to hang me because that just pure sits, hits home with me, eh, Paul, because I was 18, I didn't have my first drink until I was 18 and I think that you don't realise, man, how how much that breaks your heart, doesn't it? It's like your dream, your only dream and your only thoughts growing up. I was at party first one. I was obviously wasn't good enough to to make a grade, but see that way when you just know it's not going to work out. Honestly, it just it's just a big a big kick in the balls basically, um, and it's just trying to find how to honour that mate. So no, because I, I was under the impression that I was going to get a full time deal there as well. Uh, Jerry Britton was a gaffer at the time, but then they got a new youth coach in and he brought his own boys for Livingston, so it ended up kind of falling through. So. No, you're, you're, you're looking for that buzz and that release and, and for me I didn't go into gambling but then I started to go out and drink and socialise and go out and want to go and chase women and all that so it's obviously you find, you need to find something else don't you playing with your pals and then getting that release mate so just think that talk about it sorry no sorry sorry for battering mate just that there was a massive like, hole in my life and it had to be filled with something positive so I had to be filled with like education or something like that and I didn't end up gambling just fell at the exact same time but see thing with football as well and I've always said I mean I'm I play Saturday morning amateur now and I'm still quite terrible to be honest but I just I worked my socks off I was saying I never had the ability but I think I see guys and you all know them as well that are full of ability and they never put the work in and they don't make it and to be honest I don't feel sorry for them at all don't feel sorry for myself but I just know how hard I worked at it even from a young age and, that, and I think that hurts a bit more but that's what it is it's one See, thing it? that's something I can relate with you well I know obviously I played your brother Gary and every team I basically played with I was the fittest there probably apart from the port where Gary was the only person that I couldn't really touch in his fitness but you know what Gary's like and I imagine you'd be the same yourself and it was an issue I had where I worked really hard on my fitness side of things when I was in at Clyde and I didn't really drink or anything and it's quite hard to take because there's boys you know that have went ahead and they might be better players but you think he's not put in what I've put in but it's one of the ones you kind of need to take it on the chin and it's there's not much you can do about it I suppose but see in terms of that um, when you're in it Martin was was that something you noticed in terms of boys were doing a bit of gambling because that's when I started to notice when you were in uh, with with full time with teams and you're sitting in the dressing room in the morning for an hour an hour and a half before you get in train boys are just sitting looking at looking at the horses and all that on on their uh, on the paper that because I'm a wee bit older like that so people didn't look at them hitting their phone when we yeah. were younger but is that was that the way it was when you were mom yeah I, I, I was so confused by it I know I, I see guys talking about the kittens that they're uh, putting on after the game or we played at four o'clock on a Sunday was our games with Martin um, so they'd be like worrying about what teams they had on when we were going out of a game. Uh, Fucking, I couldn't stand that, man. I was like, oh, what is going on here? Like, and I had no, that's what I'm saying, I had no interest in it at all. See, like, odds and all that, I didn't understand them. Um, but it was definitely something that, as I got older, though, because that was just me getting on a cusp, I was still 17. Um, but there was boys using their dad's Skybets accounts and all that sort of stuff. But it was kind of, in the last couple of years, or 
I've seen that it's, it's a big thing in football, man. I mean, I've got guys, and obviously I've never mentioned them, but I've got guys that are playing like top level in this country, right? Top, uh, top teams, and they're struggling. And you know, it's, it's so sad because a word, a, a word I used to describe them is trapped because they, they feel like they can't maybe say go to like a GA meeting or they can't um, speak out about it because the clubs might then release them. And I, I'm, like, I would say to them, like, you can't just fucking wait the next 10 years going through a problem and then try to sort it by then it could be too late or it most likely will be too late but it's a shame man there needs to be more done uh, I think oh, no, it's a culture in address oh aye you make a good see, point see being honest with you sorry PG see for me I know I found this with myself I didn't gamble like putting the coupons on because I necessarily enjoyed it I don't need to fit in no, I mean, do you know, I think that that's what you do in a dressing room because you want to be sitting in your wee corner in the dressing room and everybody's got the coop out and you want to just sit and feel like part of the boys, not so you're sitting going, oh, I've got this one and that. You're basically showing off and matching other people's bets just to the like, stakes that they're putting on, not just to try and kind of fit in. Well, that, that's I mean. the thing I was going to say there, and I've kind of got a similar story as that. But you're talking about the, the tap end players that you speak to where they're trapped. It's a horrible thing in the sense where if we're talking say you had a player, I don't know, fucking Ross County player talking to you or something, who could be ruining his life and the lives around him where he's gambling. But like you said, he's terrified if he's at a GA meeting where he, in case somebody, even though it's not supposed to be and they're talking about it, somebody might just tell a, a pal or something and it gets out. But then you've got the issue as well. I could seriously affect their career in terms of these guys have a, an illness, but you're going to the SFA or whatever body could end up fucking here because oh well you're gambling you know you're not supposed to be gambling you're like that's a minuscule thing compared to to what the actual issue is and it, even particularly if it's like you're probably not betting on your own team to lose either so you're not match fixing but it's something that you worry about but just on what um, Dak was saying there about fitting in I found when I was at Cumnock that was when I started to gamble a bit more when I was about 21 and the boys I used to car share with it was uh, Stuart McDonald, Gary Wilden, Chris Fye and they were all right into their, their coupons and that and I used to just put on coupons because I was getting alright money there and I still stayed with my mom and dad so I used to just put on coupons like 20-30 quid a week for no reason other than just to fit in with them like I used to, sound ridiculous because I didn't care that much I used to get to the stage, I quite liked when you lost and you could roll up your coupon and throw it and go oh, for fuck's sake if they starts laughing and all that and you're like it's just ridiculous wasting money like that but it's the culture it's like me and Dak have spoken about this a couple of times before and even before we knew we were getting you on right. you've been in dressing rooms where it's ridiculous we're talking about I don't know if this is any new witness because I don't know if you were still gambling at your time in the juniors but um, we both played with teams who had been like promoted or had been relegated or whatever and you could just bah, fuck it well we're already up so almost like a wad of money on whoever we're playing and I never did that particularly come because I didn't play enough to have any impact on how the game would go <laughs> but you're like boys would be like oh, fuck it we'll maybe stick stick a, a couple of hundred quid on whoever we're playing today and just if they beat us they beat us because well what does it matter we can make a bit of money at it see thing is as well that completely ruins the integrity of sport as well mm-hmm. and it's not even that but I know I mean I know quite a lot of guys who I look at them now right and in pubs and obviously I'm looking at it through my eyes I'm thinking you don't even enjoy football anymore. You've not looked at fucking game. You, like, I was sitting obviously the last kind of when we were back in pubs there for a while, and the football was on, and I was looking at guys, and I was thinking they couldn't tell you who's on, who's on the park here. Do you know what I mean? That, all they're caring about is fucking how many corners there are. 
has. To me, and I can remember it, I remember hating Fibber and well, I thought it was a bit, it became just a bit betting. The other thing I'll, I'll say as well is see guys that are, and it doesn't matter what level you're at in juniors, even where there's money involved as well, see anybody that's got a gambling problem, I can guarantee they're not going to full potential at all. No, I mean, I've seen a guy who messaged me back in September, I messaged him back and he never, he never got back to me, but I've seen Eddie just get released for his club yesterday on Twitter and I thought, it, without a doubt, it, I mean, I would go out and play with Fort, right? And I only played with Fort for a bit two or three months or something because my head was a nick but I'd go on the park and one time Bruno was a manager at the time <laughs> and he'd always come up with a line on Park Lee Stadium and I was shouting over to one of my pals to ask him what the West Brom score was I was like what's the West Brom score and they're like looking at me and shouting I was like what's it the boss ridded me right inside the heat I get whipped off 15 minutes in he's like what is wrong with you and always but you can't fail him nah. and the thing is as well I'd completely lost my confidence and like I mean, I was young at the time, I was only 19 when I went to airport and you've got no fear and I could have went and played there, I've not been big either, but I could have went and played there, no problem, and I was I was in the toilet before games, greeting, like genuinely greeting, and been sick, and I, like, I remember going out for warm-ups and somebody pointed out one thing, like, how you always the last one out, and that was it, I was, I was in the toilet literally praying, please God, don't make me make an embarrassment on my celery, things like that, at junior level, do you know what I mean, at airport. It just completely and utterly deteriorated my confidence. I ruined it. See, see, for me, Paul, see, like, I've looked a bit more into this gambling thing just because, obviously, I think it's a big thing because I think there's so many boys out there that are basically sitting in dressing rooms or even in society that are keeping quiet about their, obviously, their issues. You know what I mean? Hey, and you're the first person I've ever, like, I was saying this to PG the other, the other week, yeah. I can't remember anybody ever speaking to us about gambling. Or coming into the dress room Or ever even seen anything about it Because I was telling PG There was one when I was at the Rock And we were playing Fraser In the Scottish Cup right And it was fucking It's a bit It's a bit Fucking funny story But It's the point It sells You know what I mean So we're playing Fraser In the Scottish They've won 9 out of their first 10 games Absolute flying But all for the full 2 weeks We are talking about Night out Night out Can't wait to get a swally In the way down the road So what a team of characters So we're going up to Fucking Fraser bro. Every service station We're going to see What people can bump So people are coming out With cowboy hats On that soft teddies Big massive teddies Not stealing out of service station Team of characters Paul right So we're down here And they were about 91 or something So we're sitting Saying to everybody In Glasgow Going Fire your money On to fucking Fraser bro. Fire your money On to Fraser bro. Right and it's us It's playing them or not uh, They must be a good side They're tapping They're leaking up And we're all just Thinking about the party And it's a long journey And all that so anyway, we go up, we scud them 4-2, right, 4-1 or 4-2, and then the next minute we've all went into the dress room, see the amount of text messages we had for people from Glasgow, all from for fucking Royston and Blackhill, not going, use dirty bastards, better not come back in the room, because we've all fired away, John, obviously, Fraser, but for me, mate, it was just pure daft wee things, but... There's obviously people have put big dough in that when we've said that to them, do you know what I mean? And it's just... I know as well, because the thing is, like, we all play football, so we all feel as if that you've got a bit of inside knowledge and all that. But I mean, how many times do you see people just like... It's mainly lasses. I mean, I'm not saying lasses don't know anything about football, but ones that don't know much about football and they just go... I get one time. <laughs> stuff. And I thought I was a genius, you know what I mean? I'd be looking and thinking like... Salah's injured or he was in that Liverpool but whoever's injured today so I don't think they'll win and whatever sitting in the bookies and I'd walk out a confident winner I honestly I gambled for three years and it doesn't sound a lot three and a half years and it was every single day though it was coupons every day a week if I could and I'd be lucky looking back if I won ten 
really. It's horrible. It's funny you say that. Like me and uh, every now and again, my wife will be like that. You want to stick a week out? No, me and you will pick a team each. I'm like, I need worries. See them at times that she wins. I'm honestly, it's like you say, you put a coupon on, you're, you're confident. And then after it, you're like, have I ever fucking watched football before? <laughs> Literally, it miles it. But even like, like Dak's story there, um, no way to take everything away from you because we're going to get right into all your stuff. It's just, I guess it's kind of relatable stuff for people, the football people listening. Where um, when I was at Rob Roy when I was 18, Aloha were playing somebody. And somebody for Aloha was mates with somebody on our team. And they said, look, We've got six of the under-19s playing the day. There is not a fucking chance we're going to win. Stick a wad against us. So we're like, brilliant, full dressing room, firing money on, and uh, Aloha won. You're like, but that's like, that, that's no that's no uncommon. Boys just going, ah, we're not going to win the day. And every kind piles into it. And then you end up, it ends up doing you. I mean, it's mental, some of the stuff I, you see. I think that's why, that's why the juniors, I think, made it trebles, minimum of trebles, because... It was too easy to pick the winners and all that, or people. People would be too easier for even a wee bit of match fixing. Do you know how that? Even that, you just picked two games that were going to be off. Yeah, we watched Do you know what I mean? Like it's unpredictable. Look at I, I still can't believe I see a Aston Villa beat Liverpool seven two. Like, I don't. Aye. Until I watched the replay, I didn't believe it. And you think maybe in the world it's going to pick. Aye. People were waiting on a curtain and waiting on Liverpool, and it's unpredictable. Some of the things I get beat way back today were genuinely incredible, man. Like some of offside goals and all that and it was just the uh, world was against you but I was betting at times on a uh, Jamaican second league and all that what is that about man we, we had a big boy this will probably be our last one on this but a big boy Mark Richie's obviously he's no longer ways he's sadly passed away but he was a top pal of mine he was a top top guy so he was but he was a massive gambler right and he used to put scary stakes on for games and we played in the Scottish down at Girvan and we were fucking, we were outsiders big time, and he's blasted a wedge on that. I think he put about two hundred pound on us, and then Irvin Meda were spending the dough in uh, Lithgow Rose. And as you say, see exactly what you said, Paul. You're asking about West Brom and the ball hit his head. We just beat Govan. The dressing room's absolute bouncing, and he's out on his phone trying to find out what the score was with Irvin Meda and Lithgow Rose, and and you, you end up missing out in the celebrations, but. Fortunately, came up from he was about a grand up on the on the bus in the right game and still didn't he buy his a baby. <laughs> he was a, he was a grand up that time. Aye, aye. I think people the sad one. Uh, sorry, a real sad one for me was when I was uh, when I was like it was a man nineteen I think and uh, I went and played with East End in Greenock and uh, I was the only boy. No, there was one other boy for port. So I met all new guys. They were all brand new, still probably with them all. Um, we won a Scottish Cup that year and won a, a league and all and so many boys got that. I mean it was brilliant man and um, I scored two goals in the semi-final and set one up now with a 3-0 down at half time and that should be some of the best things I look back on in my life I was, I hate it I, I don't even I don't look back on it at all with any fondness and it's things like that that although I'm over it now I'm not trying to sound pure negative but in a way like to put people off so that they don't think once you go over it it's alright and everything's rosy it's like there's still things that you need to deal with years on like you can't get any time back I can't go back and relive that time do you know what I mean it's, uh, it's me- memories kind of taken for you see you go I'm just going to go back onto the one for the port because I've listened to a few things you've spoken about and I don't know if it's maybe because myself and, and you have got that we tie in with the port and stuff I can picture that I mean I can even picture the strip you're wearing because I came down a few times and watched you play how was that for you being such a young boy sitting 
Because I know with like that toilet that you come out of the dressing room that's on the left hand side, sitting in there in tears, how how was that for you being such a young boy, you know, to play football and it's a, such a big hassle instead of it being something that you enjoy and relax for you? It was it was so scary, man. It was uh, that's the only way I can describe it, it was terrifying because nobody nobody knew what was going on and uh Oh, it was horrible, man. I mean, I, I, I hated football, but I only kept going because I couldn't give a good enough reason other than I'm gambling to stop. But if I stop, my mum and dad not would be what are you stopping for? Do you know what I mean? Because um, they knew I loved it. It was literally, I mean, I know it's the same for every guy, but I was, me and Gary, for when I was a wee guy, we would play, well, I'd be playing football at school, then we would leave school and get dropped off at Parkley. We'd get picked up to get our tea and then we'd go to our separate training. That was every day. Couldn't we get enough? So see, it then turn into somebody that hated it. I couldn't give a good explanation for it. It was terrible, man. Nineteen years old, and I look back on eighteen or nineteen. I was and um, I, I in toilets greeting and that. I think it's fucking sad. sad it's, it's, it's sad for me to hear that. Obviously, Paul, because now we're on the coaching side. You know what I mean? These are maybe things that your coaching staffs maybe missed in that, and and even for me, it's like things that you maybe need to keep an eye on. I just hope we, with people listening in, if they're maybe having and suffering for AV problems and they're sitting suffering in silence in the dress room, mate, they'll reach out because obviously you can see, mate, that you've experienced this, mate, and you're, and you're very approachable, you know what I mean? So I, I hope, mate, it hits home with a few because let's no, let's no kid on here. Like, I'm all for a laugh and a carry on, but there is a, there, this will hit home with people. There will be people in a lot of dressing rooms or in society that will be feeling like this, you know what I mean? So I really do hope that they get some good out of this and, and, and reach out and try and get the help that they need. Uh, Paul, see, for me, mate, see, again, just to go a bit deeper, because I'm trying to understand how you were feeling at this point. You're obviously saying you're getting that, you want to go out and you think, don't embarrass yourself. Could you go deeper into that? What, what exactly are you thinking that you're going to embarrass yourself or embarrass anybody with? It was just no, it was no one in the beer. So uh, then getting out on the part, like, in fact, I can explain that better. What had actually happened was my confidence was, I mean, I was a confident guy in school. I wasn't got me or nothing, but I was just, know what it was. I was just happy with the way my life was. A uh, good family. I'd, I'd still get great pals. But so everything was happy. I was confident. See, when I stayed rock bottom, I mean, I had no confidence whatsoever. I, I couldn't, I didn't like going to the shops. I didn't like, Taking a dug a walk case I seen any of my neighbours and that. So see you then go out to try to play football. I mean it's not in front of a lot of people at court, but say like my dad was there or people in front of him, I just couldn't take that pressure anymore. And I was terrible and it deeply, deeply impacted my, my performance. I didn't want on the ball. I mean I would run about and genuinely not want on the ball. And uh, it would come to me, I'd look at people people would make eye contact with me, I'd be like, no fuck no me and look the other way and that and I think why was I even playing? Do you know what I mean? If you're not if you're not enjoying it, why are you even there? And that was it. My confidence was absolutely shattered. And it was because as well I felt as if everybody knew what was going on with me. Um and they didn't. Nobody knew. Like I have got people now who are I've been going to let's say house parties with or something for all my life and they'll sit me in the back and I believe that was going on with you. But at the time I thought people was looking at me and thinking that Paul Pettigrew, he's a pure gambling addict. See, it's funny you say that, like, um, I mean, I'll no name, but I've got somebody really close to me who had real mental health problems, and it's somebody who I would never have pictured. And I remember um, he sat down and spoke to me about it, and he was telling me I'd have conversations with people, and then I would just be worried all day. Did I say something that would offend him? And I'm like, this guy is the most likeable guy I have ever met in my life. I mean, he's... 
everybody likes him and, and in his head he was thinking oh the people will not like what I'm saying and I, we all have our own demons where you think things and you overanalyze things but to have somebody put it to me like that who was so important to me and I couldn't believe it and I hated myself in a sense because I couldn't see it so you're thinking all this stuff your family aren't seeing it and like I can imagine your your mom and dad and your, your brothers and your sister were, were hating themselves or how did we not see this how did we not see it but right. you've had it that well and like other people do they just don't know it's the biggest problem well, it's the biggest uh, problem with a gambling addiction without a doubt it is no physical symptoms I don't mean this in a patronising way at all but if you imagine a drug addict or a an alcoholic, we can all picture what they look like, what they sound like, and what he's right now. I was a, I was an addict. I was a people throw a bit of word junkie. I was a junkie, same way all of them were. Mm-hmm. Make, uh, make no mistake about it. But people couldn't see it because there was no physical signs. Um, and that's the thing. That's what makes it so difficult. That's why you can hide it for so long. All you need to is well, for me, I was able to hide it for a year. And look what I did for me. It got me in thirty odd thousand pound of debt, and it completely ruined my life. In a year because nobody nobody's seen it and obviously wasn't strong enough to come out and come forward with it. That's the sad that's the sad thing about it, it's it, it's ruined it's ruined your relationships and then even it's even ruined your 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 biggest passion and the thing that you've always loved, it's always been there for you all your days and all you can remember like football, like they always say like when you go in the football park but the troubles go away, but that isn't the case where a lot of people you go in that park and your your heat still can be doing overtime, so and it's, it's hard to hear and listen to Paul because, you've, as you've said, you've spent all your time playing football in school, going home, playing football, then going to your own football training and then to then get to the stage where the gambling's obviously crippling you that much and that much of a burden to you, you're not even enjoying doing that, mate. It's, it's, it's a hard one to take. Particularly in changing rooms as well, where it's like, yeah, if you play at my level, so you're in the amateurs, it's way... Mostly it's a kind of crowd of boys that you know in your family with. Even in junior, I'm sure it's the same and all. And a lot of the time, what you'll find is you owe people money. I mean, I'd be running about and thinking, yesterday game, he's going to chin me for that 50 quid today. Genuinely running about the park thinking that. And it, so that plays on your mind as well. That's what I say. There's no way in this world that anybody who's struggling with a gambling problem can be fulfilling their potential, regardless of what level that's at. Or even a step further, they can't be enjoying it the way they should be. See, that was something I was going to ask you later down the line. But see, in terms of own money to people, what kind of pressure did that put on you? And also, was there any was there anybody? Because you know what it's like, but particularly doing your way. Like I love my time playing down there, but it's a different breed of people doing the Portland Greenock. <laughs> They're quite a hard day group. You know what I mean? Is did you ever get yourself into any potential dangers with own people money? I get whacked in the back of your head with a bat and stabbed at the belly. Um, that was going to my girlfriend's house at the time. But my girlfriend at times is um, I had my earphones in I was walking up the hills and uh, I thought I felt like a bomb had went off because I couldn't hear them coming I had the earphones in just whacked the back of the nut and I started kind of getting my conscience back a wee bit and one of them jumped on his and I stabbed at my belly like cut in my jacket up my t-shirt cut my belly and that and um, I kind of wrestled about and they got away and Gary came picked me up took me out of the hospital and I was at a time I made out as if I was at a I was a victim that was two people just jumped me and all that and it's embarrassing to look back when it was because I owed them money somebody um, like steaming one night and they heard I was in a wee bar. I mean it wasn't much at the time well I say not much it was like kind of one or two grand I think it was right at the start of when I started borrowing money and I let it slip that I owed them uh, and they were drug dealers they 
the cash was in my pocket almost and they offered me it and I was I was too weak to refuse it. So I took it with all intentions of winning it and getting them it back. And uh, I, I knew it was coming and I got what was coming to me, but that was one situation like that where but the pressure of see pressure of own money, I was I was, I mean, I say this all the time and I wish I kept the text to prove it, but there was not one day from when I was nineteen until for about eighteen months anyway, where I didn't wake up and have a text about like own Sunday money, not one day. Sometimes it would be two and three people at a time and it's it's a terrible, terrible way to live your life, man. Particularly when it's people you care about as well, do you know what I mean? That's the thing that cripples you because it's as I said, it's people that were good enough to give you that money, but you're just fucking ravaging every penny you've got. That's the thing as well, with you saying it's people good enough to give you money and that it's people who obviously cared about you enough to give you money. But then in their head, they don't know you're dealing with a session and they're heading like, that's we pricks no fucking give me my money back. So, can I get that? And that would be a, a couple of people, do you know what I mean? That would be a four or five people. So before you know it, you've got 250 pounds. You've got 250 pounds. And uh, I'll give you it on, I'll give you it this day next week. This day next week comes, you've not got it. I mean, what do you do? And at times you get yourself into a cycle as well where it's very easy in hindsight. So say I, I owed three people money, right? 50 pounds each. And I only had 40 pounds. So... I think to myself, right, what do I do? Do I offer each of them a tenner? No. Do I pay one of them? No. What I do is I put it on a cooking and I try to win it on, pay them all back, and then you lose that, and it's a vicious cycle. But really all you're doing is you're just making excuses to enable yourself to gamble. When it got to the point where I stopped later on, I just had to say to everybody that I owed, I just had to say, look, I'm sorry. Here's the situation I'm in. I'll get you it back, but for you it might take a week, and for you it might take a year. I'm sorry, but... I will get it back to you, um, which is a very difficult thing to do, but you need to mind as well, I'm I'm going through this at 18, 19, you think you're an adult and you've got uh, no life experience at all, do you know what I mean? So, What was the kind of response for people, see when you've started opening up, and again this was something I was going to get into later, but now we're talking about it, what was the response you were getting when you started saying to people, look, I can't pay you for months or I can't pay you for a year potentially, what was the response to people? Let me tell you something right now, see, anybody that I went to and said, listen, this is what's going on, I'm sorry, but I'll get it back to you, not one of them said in negative, they said, oh, either it was, sorry, you're going through it, don't work, like, get it to me whenever, or it was right, that's fine, Paul, just keep me updated, just, people respect the truth, that's the thing, you see, when you're lying to people and you're bullshitting people, it's brutal, I've had it done myself, do you know what I mean, give people money and lie to you and you think, fuck me, man, I wish you'd just tell me the truth. Uh, I mean, so that's all I'd say. You just need to be honest with people. Excellent. Right, we're going to move away for your kind of football on that. Basically, just going to your story. What was your your low points? Because obviously, you've told us the start. You had the kind of high for the initial bit of gambling at the casino. When did it start to go really rank for you? Uh, probably about kind of maybe about eight months later. Um, there's a couple of like, key points I remember, and they're not massive, they don't sound brilliant, but they stick with me. I remember I was getting my SAS money from uni, and uh, I got, I think it was £650 you get a month, and I remember the first night that I sat up and waited on it coming in, and then spent it 
before I woke up in the morning, stayed up for a couple of hours and spent it all. And I can still remember I sat down on my dining room couch at night and or that morning and I thought, I was so numb. I thought, fuck, what have I done here, man? Like, that's my money to get me to uni and to eat all month. Uh, I remember that and that was a low one because it was the first time I probably admitted to myself everything was going out of control. Um, and then just developed from there. I remember applying for an RBS overdraft. That thing as well, I was re- I was reasonably intelligent in school now, but I didn't, uh, looking back, I thought I didn't have much life skills at all. I didn't understand like money and banks and all that sort of stuff. I didn't even know what an overdraft was. I applied for it, £1,000, and I got it. And I don't know how they gave me it at that time, but spent every penny within a day. Um, and then you start payday loans and all that. But if, as bad as it got, it was just, there's horror stories I could tell you, man. The main thing I try to get across is like financial was one side of it. Aye, it's terrible when people money and all that, but see it completely losing all confidence. I'd, it got to a point where within a short space of time, about a year, I'd went from having opportunities to go to uni, um, playing football. Like when I got released from Morton, I could have went there and it was Airdrie and Clyde or something. So I had opportunities there. I had a girlfriend was going out all the time, my pals and that. For a year, I wasn't going to the gym, didn't have a football team uh, split up with I think that was my fault, the gambling. Um, the relationship with my family was terrible, and it was my fault. Uh, my, I wasn't going to anywhere because I didn't have any money, or I was too, I didn't have any confidence. So, I mean, that sounds like your 10-year development. That happened within a year for me. Just jumped off a cliff. It's a horrible thing. I mean, <clears throat> see, in terms of like the money, I, I'm quite open about things in my life, and uh, me and my wife, we got married uh, quite young we got married and bought a house within six months and we ended up maxing out credit cards and that because we didn't want to ask people for money we're still kind of seeing the end of that we're kind of at the end of our time so this has been like eight years and I can only imagine what it would have been like for you because we both had good jobs and had decent money coming in the house so we could always afford it and my worry would be like oh I can't get two nights out this month with the boys because I need to put a wee bit extra by I can only imagine what it would have been like for you sitting in your room as a young 18, 19 year old boy, like you say, with minimal life experience, thinking, I have fucking nothing and I'll everything. How, I mean, how do, see, how do you get yourself through that? See, fuck me, just on that PG writing, I don't know what you think, Paul, but I think that fucking schools, like, like I'm not blaming the education system and it's just a quick wee comment, but surely they should teach you, try and teach you about maybe a wee bit about mental health awareness, even financial awareness, things like that, just like, as you said, you're, you're a young boy at 18. If somebody, if you go to go get an overdraft and it's a thousand pounds, you're taking it no hinting about interest rates and things like that. I think school should hit, school should maybe try and touch on things that are a bit more relatable, you know what I mean? When's the last time you used a fraction, mate? <laughs> or pie, mate? Pie, mate? When's the last time you used pie, mate? I want to know how, how interest rates work, mortgage rates, things like that, do you know what I mean? Relatable things that happen in life, no, about fucking pie. No, I agree with you entirely, definitely. definitely. See, but that's just that's that's my rant at the education system. What are you saying, Paul? Uh, what was it? What was it? It's really just like because I know at times where again I've never really struggled that much, but I'm saying it was like I couldn't go two nights out. I could only do one night out a month, and there was wee things I couldn't do. Which as I've got older, you realise it's only that important anyway. But for you, it seems to right because I'm I don't know why I'm visualising it. You, I can see you're in your room now, and in my head, all I can see is you being a young boy in that room, proper trapped inside your own head, thinking that I can't go at this. 
I used to break my dad's heart, man. Every Saturday night he'd come in the room and he'd be like, ah, how, how you not going out? And he'd, he'd offer me money to go out and that, and I wouldn't even take it because I know I'd just go spend it in the and, and I know that I could hear him and times talking to my arm in the living room. Um, it was a thing, do you know what I mean? That just funny and things, man. I mean, I look back, 18 to 21 is maybe some of the best years of your life. I was absolutely miserable. Absolutely miserable. My... my I wasn't going to the gym, as I said, I wasn't playing football, I wasn't even night suit. I was avoiding my pals because I owed some of your money and different things like that. So my life was just gambling, which I hated, but I couldn't stop. I mean, that's a misery. That's a misery. Uh, I, like I mean, there's no enjoyment in that whatsoever. Um, I think that's the scariest thing about it, seeing you get to a point in your life where you're consistently doing something that you absolutely hate now, um, but you can't stop. It's it's so scary how you can, how you can get to that, do you know what I mean? Well, that's the thing, you're waking up every morning knowing you don't want to gamble and you know you're probably going to go and do it, you know what I mean, it's horrible. Was there any individual one point that kind of got you the lowest where you thought, oh fuck this, I need to change, I need to do something, or was there kind of maybe a couple of things that started to, to lead to you opening up and turning it around? I think when I, when I talk about it, people always like want a... Uh, See like a bit of a film Aye. my life turns around that and uh, it'd be brilliant if I had one but I don't really I think my body had just my body and my mind had just had enough like I was so warden I was genuinely tired like seeing people ask me now I'm 24 I feel about 50 I feel at least 40 anyway I feel as if I've lived through all that shit and it's got me here and it's just worn me down once you have 40 you'll have a haircut like me Paul so you're alright you know you're still 24 mate <laughs> there isn't one particular moment no I mean I'd I think I just, to be honest, it's sad to say, but I'd got to a point where, like, I'd accepted within myself that I wouldn't get to, like, a stage now. Do you know what I mean? Like, I used to sit and think in my head, we'd be, Christmas Day was a horrible day for me, man, because I hadn't got MD anything. Do you know what I mean? I was a 21-year-old, my mom was buying me presents to get other people and things like that. I hated it, but I remember getting to my 21st like, Christmas and um, I was sitting in the living room and I remember just looking about and honest to God, I remember just going to ask my last one, like, I'll never I'll be here for them. Next year, and I started looking at ways of getting loans so that I could leave them a bit of money. And I, like, that's really how bad it was. Um, and then, I don't know, man. I, I can't ever really remember what it was. Just, I think I got to a point where I did fucking something stupid one night, man. I took um, hundreds of painkillers and genuinely did just try end my life, do you know what I mean? Got tunnels in and uh, I woke up, I was in the hospital and fucking these wires and that coming out of me and I remember right away I didn't go like that, right, this is where I changed but I remember looking and thinking how have I got to this? Like how has this got, looking beside me and my dad's there and my mum was on shift at the time, she got us in the hospital, she was doing greeting her eyes at that and I was looking and I was like ah, fuck me man, like what is going on? And um, I think I just decided that I wanted to be, what I wanted to be was somebody who people, if I did end up like people would look and go, at least he tried, do you know what I mean? Like, he tried battling it back, and then once I did, I don't know, I just started winning wee battles, wee small, like going a day for me, it sounds pure embarrassing, but I remember the first day that I didn't gamble, and for me it was like fucking hell man, major achievement, don't get me wrong, I gambled the next day, but then it got, uh, it was a Sunday, but then it got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I didn't gamble Saturday and Sunday next week, so that's fitter. Good days, you know what I mean? And I started just getting to a point where I thought, right, 
if I, from a young age, was running every day before football, and I was always trying to be, I always thought I was mentally strong, and put it to the test, do you know what I mean? See what you can do. Um, and don't get me wrong, it was all, I owe it all, like my, my family, my mates, stood by us. Um, but I did just start to kind of fight back a bit, and started winning these small battles, and it still took time, but you, you, you finally start to see a wee bit of a road out of it, like you think I can get out of it. Right, Paul, I'm sorry to have to ask you this, mate, right, because I have heard the one you're talking about when you ended up in the hospital. I know the story of what happened, and if you know what I talk about, it's fine. But see, for me, I'm going to ask you, mate, because see, the first time I heard it, and I listened again to, it, to I listened again the day when I was out of run, and it still gets me because I know we don't, we've never really met before we spoke before, but because I know your brother, I feel I have a bit of connection with you. And I know the kind of individual you are in terms of the way he is and your fitness, and it's quite similar to myself. Your story really hit hard with me, so if you could tell the, the travelling story or the travelogue story, oh, I'd appreciate I, it, mate. Aye, it's mental, man. Um, so I took uh, a bag, I took a FIPA bag, and I'd put some pictures that I, I'm kind of keen on that stuff. I keep with pictures years ago, and I put them in a bag. Um, didn't write a note as such or anything, but I took it in and I took all my tablets with us, um, put them in a bag. And the reason was I didn't want to, I didn't want to die in my own house because then I know that my mum and I would want to move out. That's the way I was thinking in my head. So I was like, yeah, right. I went down to Greenock um, and went to Holiday Inn. So I went to Holiday Inn and walked in the door and it was just one guy at reception. And I thought my wife to book a room and... Uh, on the way down in that as well, I had to walk. I only had enough money to get a room. Um, so I walked down and obviously I'd been greeting and stuff. So I think you maybe seen the redness in my eyes to start with, I don't know. I asked him for a room. He asked me where I lived and I said in the port. So obviously it's right next to each other and he said, what's the reason of your stay? And I said, I, did, I just want a wee night away. I said, I just want a wee night away. He said, is anybody coming down? And I said, no. And he's like, right. And he had a pause and I was looking down at the ground at the time. And I mean, looking at and looking up, I'm thinking he was typing on the computer and he was just staring right at me. And I looked away, I can still picture the guy in my head now. And uh, he's like, right, I'll be two seconds. And he went in the back. And he was typing, but I think he was kidding on typing. It was one of the And he was looking at the corner of his eye at me. And I was just standing there and I was like, oh, fuck, this guy's on to me, man. But in my head, I was like, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I just want to book a room. So he came back out. And, uh, just like, listen, we've not got any rooms left for the night, mate. I was like, ah, oh, all right, I need to drop my holiday in, in Greenock. I can tell you, it's never been. The <laughs> eight <laughs> on a holiday doesn't even work anymore. <laughs> and he's like, ah, when I, when I done that, right, no problem, mate. And I picked up my, my bag and I knew the Premier and didn't let you pay with cash. It was only cards, so this was my only option. So I done that, right, no problem, mate. And I was walking out and he's like, get yourself up the road, son. And I was like, ah, Cheers, mate. Couldn't even speak at time. Still felt it, man. Couldn't even speak at time. And I uh, walked out the door and I walked up the road. And so I, I then took them in the house and I was on my own. And as I took them in, I don't know, I blanked out. But Gary and my dad came in. Like my brother, he and my dad, they came in, came in, seen all the tablets out my pocket and got me down to the hospital in time. But if I did that in our room, maybe would have. Do you know what I mean? Maybe they'd have seen me until the morning. And I, think, I always look back and think to myself, just moments like that in life are mental, man. Like, how how did that guy, did he just feel that something wasn't right? Do you know what I mean? But See, that's, mate, that is fucking, 
that's blown me away, Paul. That's the first I've heard that, mate, and it's fucking. Yeah, I'm sorry, you had to feel you fucking at that, mate, but tell you what, but see, it just shows you, but see if one person just has a wee bit of attention to detail and just tries and looks at somebody and all that, and you can tell even when no knowing you just with your demeanour, because to be fair, what, 21 were you at the time? Eh, my 21. 21, going to a hotel room, not mean nowhere, nowhere bird and all that, do you know what I mean? So it's, he, he's obviously used a bit of initiative and a wee bit of fucking thought, man, honestly, fair, fair, the red flags, aren't fair, fair play to the guy, because somebody else would have just booked you in, just took your money as a customer and wouldn't have thought twice, you know what I mean, and, and somebody would have had to have seen that, but it, it's just, I think it's just meant crazy to me, mate, how, although it's an addiction to gambling, but see what it, see having an addiction, what it does for your actual fucking mental health and all, so then it becomes a double-edged sword, doesn't it, it just becomes... You're fighting your, you're fighting your demons, but you're also fighting this addiction. Do you know what I mean? So it becomes this mm. even bigger and harder thing. Me, honestly, I, I, cheers for sharing that because I, I fucking honestly it's, hear that. It's mate, definitely, it's, fucking, it's like I said, that's kind of why I've asked you to say it because I can see the impact it's had on Dak. And like I said, I've listened to it a couple of times and still, still got me today when I was listening to it. A part that sticks with me as well, and myself and Dak, we have kids. Um, and I can only, and it's, I'm sure your, your dad and Gary feel near well towards you because they know what you're going through. And it's like, but see, for me, if I had seen one of my children like that, I honestly, I don't know what I could have done. It would be, I actually feel quite emotional even thinking about it now. It's a horrible thing. And like, I'd imagine you'd be the same uh, if it had been Gary that had been like that and you've seen him. It's such a horrible thing. And then, I was literally like, Sorry, I was like, I was fucking foaming out of my and all that, and there, so you think to yourself, see what the, see what the sad thing, timing and see the sad thing for me, right, Paul? Honestly, mate, the sad thing for me, mate, is that, and it, and it, it is really sad to say, and I, I fucking hope no, but there might be people listening to this and watching this that have actually had fucking contemplated what, what you've actually went through and all that. So I just hope that people can look at you now and see how far you've came and. And, and where you're going with your life and how you've basically turned your life around and, and take a wee bit of, take a wee jag for that, do you know what I mean? Because let, let's be honest, there will be people, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, I never contemplated like suicide or anything, but me and my missus, we basically had to get through with, like, we, we, she was 14 weeks pregnant, we basically had to, we lost the vegan after 14 weeks and she basically had to give birth, do you know what I mean? To the way, and I'm not going to lie, like, that's the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with, do you know what I mean? Uh, and seeing that, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, I struggled, I struggled mentally with, with stuff like that. Uh, never never uh, considered like, harming myself for it, but at the same time, I'm not scared to admit that I was struggling, do you know what I mean? And it was hard, so for you to go through that and be open and honest and, and share that with me, honestly, mate, that's, that's touched me big time, that one. Uh, it's, it's honestly, it's harrowing here, isn't it, mate? Because you'll hear this stuff all the time, it's you've your own podcast all the time, talking to people and you're having to tell your story all the time, which for us and for your listeners, most of them have never heard it and it just literally means a lot that you're telling it. But the good thing for you is there's a better side at the end of it. I mean, you look at Definitely. what you've done and how you've started to come through it. I've got a couple of wee things written down um, before we can start going on to your work you're doing now and then the positive side of the horrible things you've been through. I mean, 
I've got some stats down here like 47% of Brits have gambled in the last four weeks. And it's it's crazy to think that level. You've got stuff like uh, 600,000 to a million people in the UK are addicted to gambling. I mean, that's fucking, that's insane. And I'll tell you right now, see that one, actually, I mean, and, I, mean I'm, I, I can't ever just like, argue with things that are called facts, but that's people that have come forward. Aye, exactly. That's not people that are struggling on their end, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Are, I mean, Paul, see, for, on its own see, see, for me, Paul, do you, do you think, Paul, sorry to interrupt you there, mate, do you think that, no, I'm a believer, mate, I think this lockdown would, more people will be addicted to gambling for this lockdown, mate, because I think that people are, people are all dubbed up, they're all chasing a buzz, aren't they? Everybody's chasing it. Oh, fuck, my earphones fell out too soon. Everybody's chasing a buzz, I know that myself, so whether it's people turning to drink or gambling or that, there's no much good things happening out there, well, obviously, socially, so I think the numbers are going to be high. Would you think? Is it you've been. Mate, see, I'm out of numbers, but see, I'm out of people, sorry, that have messaged me. Since it, like since this new lockdown's come in now, it's it, it only way I can describe it is sad, mate. And the thing is, it's it's not really a hard thing to work out. You're taking away guys and women's routines, so you take away somebody's routine, it throws them like off balance. And as humans as well, I'm not trying to get too deep, but we all need a a release. We all need something that we love, like football or whatever, a gym for a lot of people. Um, and it's all to go away, so they're chasing something, and then combine that with the fact that you've then got gambling incentivised. Everywhere, man. Every YouTube video, every fucking advert, every football game. People might think, I'll give a wee try, or people who have been away for it or don't do it all that much when they've got their normal routine, think, I'll get back into it, I'll do more. And before you know it, you, you think 20 quid a day is not much, but I always compare it to people. If somebody was spending 20 pounds a drink on a day and drinking every day, you'd say, I'll well, get a grip of that. You know, one needs to be the same. I see Gary Lineker having a go, sorry, PG, some of the clubs, because even, even clubs in. Twitter accounts are encouraging gambling and first goal scorers not, which to me is fucking mental, mate, because as you say, you're sitting in fucking the house no much today, so it's, I mean, I totally, I totally agree with what you're saying, mate. It's, it's, it's ended up just going to be a bigger problem, I think. See, be fair, that, that's, that was what I was just about to say. Ah, geez, you're shite, mate. You've only going to hit that there, mate. <laughs> um, but see, on that, Paul, have you done any work with anything because... I know that there's certain groups who try and stop uh, kind of gambling companies using sport because it's for there's a lot of impressionable people, children and stuff watch football and like you've got um, Celtic, we've got Daffa Bet and stuff like that, and Rangers with Red Thirty Two. I mean, seeing till I started looking a bit more into it, I never really thought much about it because I don't gamble much, so I don't really care. You like. This is just rammed down people's throats all the time. You see it at halftime on Sky Sports. Every, every second advert is a gambling one. I mean, giving you free, oh. a free tenner to play with and then you can, it just builds and builds. Is there any, is there any groups in it and you're working with or is it something you'd be interested in doing to kind of see if there could be put an end to it? Uh, there's a, a group in England who are big on like, banning gambling sponsorship who want to part, partner with me. I've actually got a meeting with him on Thursday and now the guy does it, man, he's Passionate is brilliant, so it's probably something that will happen down the line. Um, difficult a big step. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're really clued up and all that stuff. I mean, for, for me, GamTalk is a prevention service. Don't get me wrong, I'll give my time to anybody who messages me and wants a hand. I'll, I'll give my advice, and I've always need to say it's not professional or anything like that, but I'll give my story, my advice, take what you can from it. They're more on the facts and how gambling like correlates with 
sorry, gambling sponsorship correlates with addiction um, developing. The thing is as well is the way I look at it, right? You you take a, a fourteen year old boy now, right? Fourteen year old boy, and what does he like? What does he do? Vast majority they like football, so they watch football games where the gambling companies are sponsored on t-shirts. They're sponsored at half time before and after the game. They're around a stadium, or say when we're back in a point where we're going to games on a bus. Guys are all talking about their curtains, everything. Um, or if not, say how many of them are always on YouTube and watching different YouTubers and videos and that. Every honestly, go on and watch every third advert as well as an 88 sport or 32 red. So from a young age, even though they might not be noticing it and you might not be noticing it, it's integrating something into their minds from a very, very early age. Um, that's why I don't think for me that reducing sponsorship, no, yeah, fair enough, it's, it's good things today, but it's not the way to go about it. That's what GAMP talks all about. I know you'll touch on that later, but it's just educating people on it young so that they know, right, this can be a form of entertainment, but same as alcohol and drugs, it can also, if it gets out of hand, be detrimental to you. That's that just educate them. Uh, it's quite a, a silent disease, I suppose, compared to like you can say with drugs and alcohol. You know when somebody's a junkie or a, an alkie, you know what I mean? Um, talking about um, you're going to have the kind of possible partnership with, with that company down south, that leads me on to the kind of next part. We are work just now where you're getting into schools and you're doing like, stuff where I know you've got You've done stuff with like the street leagues in Renfrewshire and Inverclyde, and also St Andrews Boys Club, which is your your local boys club. What other what kind of stuff are you speaking to them about, and which what are you kind of putting forward to them? So what what I'm doing now is trying to get is well for this year now I've already got as many schools as I can take, and it will run on in, in next year. So like I'm far ahead of kind of schedule in that sense. My goal when I started OS was within my first year to get my first school, so it's ahead of schedule in that sense it's just going in educating them and then being that resource for them that I can send them over like say parks or different leaflets to hand out to their mum and dad and their coaches things like that do you know what I mean it's nothing's too nothing's over complicated I'm not putting like percentages and facts in front of people because particularly young ones they'll switch off it's putting just basic points in front of them like if one of the most important points or the most important point of presentation I gave is called self-identifying and all it is is basic points of how to identify a problem within yourself developing and or maybe your pals or your wee brother or sister and then giving them the the information they need in order to tackle it early. Um, and that's what I'm big on. One, being able to make sure they know how to identify it and two, making sure they know that tackling a problem that's that size is far easier than one that's the situation I ended up in. You know I, mean? I see there's like... When you're doing with the stuff of the boys club, I think it's great, and I can only speak for my own personal experience because I don't really know a great deal about like women's gambling issues. I don't know a great deal about guys here, but with women, I don't know their environments where they gamble. No, it's like you get a lot of stuff with the bingo online bingo stuff, which seems like a joke almost, but it can be so addictive. But mainly, our audience is based off of YouTube stats, is people for their late teens to their early thirties. Mm-hmm. And um, can a men are seven? Is it seven and a half times more likely to gamble right. or get addicted to gambling than women are? Right. And it's for me, it's it's really important because we have a lot of people like Daxi Dela who are listening to this who can identify with large parts of your story that for them to reach out and kind of like yourself having gam talks a prevention thing, which is better than the cure. Before we go into gam talk, which this is a part of, I'd seen on your website we. Um, 
the thing I thought was really interesting was uh, Connor's battle. Aye. If you could just tell a wee bit about that, because I found that quite interesting. So, uh, Connor O'Brien, he's a boy from East Kilbride. He reached out to me. He was one of the first people that ever messaged me. And um, he struggled with gambling and still kind of on and off a wee bit struggling. So, it was just an idea that I had where I became like quite close to him. I talked to him most days to see how he's getting on. And I thought, my journeys or hindsight, it's all me looking back on it. And sometimes I think when you look back on something, hindsight, do you make up the emotions that you felt at the time? Do you actually properly remember them? Do you know what I mean? So I thought having somebody who first is willing and wants to do it, uh, but is going through it right now and talk to them, getting their journey out there. So that, because sometimes I feel like people might be looking at me and thinking everything's rosy for him now and switch off, whereas if they've got somebody in front of them who's currently going through what they're going through, it's maybe easier for them to take the steps to get better. So it's something that I've not put out a lot about it now, but there has been a lot of work done it since the start of the year, and it's going to be a kind of year-long journey. It's just right now I kind of go meet them and we kind of do the things that we had planned because obviously all the restrictions. But it's a good project, man. It's gaining a bit of kind of traction as well. There's people interested in it, so hopefully, um, hopefully we'll get our option. No, as, you, as you say, Paul, I know boys out there that are, as you said, it's, it's hitting home with me and I'm going to try and reach out to the boys I know. I've got pals that I know as soon as a roulette wheel spins, what number it's going to fall and either the one to the left or right, yet they're right on the money. I know boys that are rattling basically their week's wage or their month's wage in a, in a day, mate. So, but it needs to come within, doesn't it? It needs to, they need to want to help themselves as well, I bet you can't. Eh? I would say I had an army of help and I was just one ignorant soldier. That was it, man. I had yeah. the world of support in my feet, and that's why I, um, I'm never like, arrogant. The fact I got over it at because a lot of it was doing what I had run about me. And sadly, for a lot of people, they don't have a mum and dad or a you know, siblings or a pals I've got. Do you know what I mean? For a lot of people, they, that's where it's more difficult for them. They don't have that support system, and I feel for them. Um, but it does need to still come from them anyway. Well, that's, that's the point, isn't it? I mean, you can't really change if, unless you're really willing to change yourself. So it's kind of like that. So, when the um, GAM talk, and then we'll, we'll look at kind of one wee thing after that for finishing up, but on GAM talk, what is it you're looking to do? Obviously, you're wanting to help people in your prevention. You've got schools and uh, the boys' clubs and stuff. Where do you see it going in the next maybe year or two? Where is where's the kind of, where is it progressing to? The aim from the start, and regardless how big or whatever it gets, it will always be the same. As many young people I can get in front of, I will. It doesn't matter if it's, I mean, there's a, something coming up in the next couple of months, like Parkman, with a, a big club in the country, um, to work with their academy teams and then their like, kind of schools in about their area. So that'll be good, but it doesn't matter if it's a professional team's first team or if it's my local team. Like If somebody asks me to go and talk, I'll be here. As, as many young people as I can get in front of, the better, so that Hopefully there's a generation of young guys and girls that grow up and when they get to a point maybe where they feel like their gambling's just starting to go out of hand, they think, I remember that guy that came in and spoke to me in school or at my club and it's not about envying me at all, it's about learning from me. That's that. Just people come in and look and think, I remember his story, man, I'm going to get a holiday this early. That's what aim is. Be. See, for me, mate, it's... it's I'm looking, at, I'm looking at you the new Paul and I'm just taking you for like this is the first I've ever met and had a conversation with you but you're 24 years old mate you're, you know, you're open and honest with the demons and the struggles that you've had mate so 
I think you're, I think you're doing brilliant work, mate. And, and see, being honest with you, but I love to hear as well. I love to hear that clubs and and people are trying to embrace it, and and, and people are acknowledging and all that it's a bit as as a big problem because, as you say, education on it, and people just hearing the experiences. Because let's be honest here, nobody sees it getting to the stage that you were at for the get go. Then you know you would have never have thought when you were eighteen in that casino the first time walking out with a grand you were going to you were going to end up in the situation you were in, mate. So, and it's just about the warning signs and stuff, mate. So, no, dynamite work, mate, honestly. I'm, I'm fucking loving this, mate. I'm fucking loving it. <laughs> See, yeah, as well, I've never actually said sorry. But, um, but the thing is, as well, that was a very good point about, like, you never feel it's going to be yourself. So, I've got my older brother, Stephen, and I'm, it doesn't mind me ever talking about this, but he struggled with like, alcohol and drugs. Um, kind of, all his life, his last couple of years been brilliant. Uh, See from like growing up and knowing what that was like for him, I've never touched a drug in my life and I never will and I've got that instilled in me. Um so see for me to then fall victim to an addiction, it's quite a kind of term of it, do you know what I mean? So if I can fall victim to it, anybody can. That's the thing, it's it doesn't discriminate, does it? Just no. if it's in you, it's in you, it happens. Um again I did a wee bit of reading, it's something I know a tiny bit about, but kinda I spoke to you earlier about maybe certain places for people to go, and I, like there's stuff like obviously Gambles Anonymous. Um, I've just looked up a couple of so this is all easy to find online. There's things like you can have newcomer meetings, you get mixed meetings where yeah. friends and family can go and join you, which I think is really important. But also something that I wanted to say um, was, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul. It's Gammonon, where it's like this is for friends, families, partners, whatever, for them to go to. Um, so it isn't necessarily about the person who's suffering the addiction because you don't suffer it alone. Like you said, the stuff that happened with you, it's affected and impacted your family. There's resources out there for people who are living or have family members or friends who are suffering from it. So there is resources out there for people to go and speak to people as well um, because they need help just as much as the person who's suffering the the illness but um, what other places is there Paul that people could go to to try and get help with their addiction I first of all mate, I couldn't agree with you anymore about that last point there's like I've got partners and brothers and sisters a guy's mum from my area as well messaged me and like don't like they need help as well as you said it's a trauma they're going through like you imagine somebody you've got kids of your own you imagine people you love how much worry does it put on you when somebody's going through something so definitely um, get yourself help but if you are going through gambling addiction then there's the good thing about it is that there's quite a few avenues that you can go to get help and you need to take a bit of positive positivity sorry from that because maybe I try to explain it to people is imagine um, Gamblers Anonymous was the single only way to get over your addiction and you went and didn't work for you how trapped would you feel you would feel as I've got no hope but there's Gamblers Anonymous who I went to a meeting and uh, it was only one but that was because of me, that was my mindset. I wasn't ready to go yet. I would never knock them. They're a great service and I'd recommend it to anybody. There's GamCare who offer one-to-one uh, sessions with people to try and get to the root of your problem. There's different things as well, like a Monzo bank account. Or there's other banks, but I'm not sure what ones it is, where you can have a gambling block on it. Uh, so you can't gamble or give your partner, say, your finances if you don't like to switch banks and stuff. But the key point is you need to find your own path. So for one person, it'll be um, like having a Monzo bank account and Gamblers Anonymous. 
but for another person, gamblers anonymous might not work. It needs to be jam care. But the thing is, you need to go try them all, and you need to find your own path. And as a thigh, that's it. Just there's see, loads of different resources. See, for me, mate, how like, I think what's added to it and all, see the, these mobile phones with the, yeah. can, the apps and all that, and it just makes it too easy accessible for people nowadays, you know what I mean? See the help you've had, Paul, do you know what I mean? It's, and there's, as you say, it's just finding what's right for yourself. See, for me, mate, you've, you, you've spoke, you spoke a lot about helping people and all that and your story. How are you getting on? How are you, how are you finding it? Because obviously you're still, obviously you're still fighting that, obviously that addiction that you did have, so obviously you're doing amazing work and stuff like that, but how, how are you actually getting on now and things like that? I've never been happier in my life, man. Brilliant, mate. I have, like, I try to get across to people now and I pure try thread on it carefully so I don't come across as one of these life coaches or something, man, but I just appreciate everything in my life. See, like, I, I don't have much. I'm still paying back debt. I'll be debt-free when I'm one for two, finally. Brilliant, mate. But see, like, just getting up, going a walk, um, getting my exercise done, having still my mates, my family about me, having myself focused on something, and it's just the small things, but you take appreciation from it. I've just, as I said, just been completely humbled by it all, man, but it takes a while to get here. Nobody needs to look and think, I'm never going to get here. That's took me a couple of years. I mean, I'm a couple of years away from it now, uh, mm-hmm. but I still keep my guard up. Like uh, All my pals, when we're in the pub, as I said, we play Saturday morning, so it's quarter to three, every one of them, we've done it, he's and not the bookies in the town, there's one guy left there every week, and, but we have a laugh about it now. Uh, um, that's good, that's good mate, because you know group chats and all that, all, there'll be a lot of chat about it and all that, and things like that, always temptation, and it's always kind of going to be in your face as well, isn't it, unfortunately? Uh, yeah, I, that's the thing for me, like I do a lot of it, I started doing that like cold water, swimming, I did that today, um, in the snow, and like... Yeah, I, I done it at the weekend. I bet that, oh, honking, mate, honking. Oh, you might have seen him, Paul, but he was a wee shite bag, he got into about his knees and ran out of water. <laughs> oh, honestly, mate, it's all, it's all, it's all my twirls, a joke, mate. My brother's into it, but he was he was better than me at it, but fuck me, mate, honestly. Yeah, see, like, in, see, in general, as a person, see if we all stripped back and just got to our basic self, I'm actually, I think I'm a lazy person, like, see if I needed to, see if I... Didn't try. I would go up at twelve o'clock every day, and I would eat pizza for my breakfast, and I wouldn't exercise. Not, but I need to stay in routines. But for me, I know it sounds pure daft, but it's winning wee mental battles every day. Like I don't want to exercise, but I'll do it because I know it keeps me right. Because see, if I just let all that go, I could very easily fall back into old habits. So it's just keep myself. I'm big on all that mentality. No, so I, I, I completely agree. Like, I agree on all, mate. It's um without trying to. Can I bring it to your level because obviously you've had kind of your your issues you've went through and you've done so well to battle through. But like I'm really keen on running, and uh, a few months ago I was running at a, a relatively good level in terms of myself. I got myself doing it like 17 minute 5k time and stuff. I'll tell you the rest there. <laughs> but I was, I broke my foot and I didn't I didn't run for the best part of four months. And I'm like you in a sense, Paul. It's I'm a lazy person. I mean, I just want to lie about all day. I'm actually sitting looking outside my monitor where I've just had a Kinder Bueno. It's just the rappers lying there. So that's me. I'm addicted to chocolate. But um, like the day, I'm back running now. I didn't want to go. Uh, I didn't want to go to run the day. But you have that wee battle yourself, and you never feel worse after it. And it's really important. But before we finish up, 
Um, I'm glad you mentioned Donnie's because I've got a funny wee story to finish. But uh, what, what team is it you're playing with now? Uh, Port Athletic. Port Athletic, brilliant. Well, um, we'll maybe see about doing a wee behind the scenes with Port Athletic when, uh, when the amateur football is back. But um, my funny story in Donnie's, uh, I remember being in Donnie's with the Port Boys and I was talking to Paul Coyle. And I can't remember who it was he was talking about. He was telling me a story about um, a boy he knows or his pal who he used to play football with. And he says, I admitted Donahue's or something. I'm probably getting it wrong and if Coyle's listening, I apologise. But they were in Donahue's and they've bumped into one of the boys who was, uh, they were going to go away for the weekend to have Magaluf or something. And this boy wasn't going. And I had to fucking, man, just come. They're all like, just come. He's like, Right, no worries. So he goes up the road, gets his passport, tells his missus he's uh, he's gone to the shops to get milk and fucks off to Magaluf for the weekend. His missus is going after him. That's day. <laughs> his missus is going after him nut. Like, where the fuck is he, man? She probably, she obviously knows him well enough that he, she knows he's just went in a bender. Going after him nut. And uh, he comes back two or, three days, two or three days later in the same place, absolutely steaming with a pint of milk. <laughs> I've only been in it a couple of times, but it's some place. Oh, but, um, oh, we'll, oh, it's mental, man. I love it in there. But um, we'll finish on that, Paul. I honestly can't thank you enough for taking the time to speak to us. And I really hope that if there's anybody out there who's facing similar issues as yourself, or if they know somebody that's facing these issues, Please get in touch with somebody that can help you, whether it be Paul, Gambles Anonymous or any other thing. It's massively important that you get the help that's required because you see for Paul that your life can be turning and see how happy he is now that it's really important that you try your best to, to realise that it's not the end. It can get better if you try and make it better. See, for me, mate, I've, what an inspirational story, mate, honestly, Paul. Uh, Open as much carry on, but I think it's all point in getting the message across. To be honest, and I think that that that's what it's all about. And just echo everything that PG's saying, mate. Reach out to people, get help out there if you can. And even us as a podcast, if anybody's ever struggling or that, we're always open to it. We're approachable people as well. And we'll try and help push you in the right direction. But can I find you enough, Paul, mate? Honestly, I've, I've so impressive. I'm so impressed with you, mate, and the way you've came across, mate. Absolutely unbelievable, mate. And, Thanks for sharing your story with me. Not at all, lads. It was a pleasure. Thanks very much. And as you said, if anybody, um, I'm open to anybody, so if anybody wants to have a... Have Don't do that cold water, but people that cold water <laughs> therapy nonsense, mate. Dick's <laughs> still looking for his two meat and veg. Oh, me, honestly. He's, too, he's too, get two meat, apparently. Two meat and veg. <laughs> no, my wean thinks she's, she's got two mummies now. I'm calling her Brilliant. And uh, Paul, right. again, really appreciate it, mate. And something Here, that you don't think about a great deal because you're 24 and you're obviously getting a bit older and stuff, and we're still pretty young guys ourselves. But you look back that 10 years ago or whatever, when we were kind of similar age as you, you're still a boy. You've got, and like I said, we're still young, but you have got so much ahead of you, mate. And really, thanks a lot for coming on, and we wish you the best. Mate. Loved that, mate. Mad. Thanks. Superb. Loved it.